Hi, my name's Harini. I'm Camille. And this is The News Podcast. Hi everyone and welcome back to The News Podcast. On today's episode, we're joined with our lovely guest, Rosalie. Nice to meet you. Who's going to be giving us an insight into femininity and leadership. I think it's such an important topic, like especially in this day and age. I was just wondering, what made you think that this was the topic you wanted to talk about? Yeah, so I think I, so I'm at Oxford, like Harini in second year. And since first year, I've got to like quite a few like different societies and worked my way up those um, to take on sort of more like leadership roles, more roles for responsibility. I think the more I did it, the more in some spaces I realised that certain like attributes which I exhibited which I attributed to things like femininity the way that like we're socialized as women were seen as like unfavorably and people who I saw be successful in those same spaces were either men with typically masculine attributes or women who adopted those masculine attributes and if anything I think I saw people who exhibited men and women like femininity as something that was like almost seen as like antithetical to like leadership norms and I think I struggled with it because I didn't want to feel like I was being inauthentic and I had to sort of like change my identity or value and have that sort of paradigmatic shift. But at the same time, I wanted to be successful in those spaces, um, which I think led me to realise that there was like a trade-off that I felt like as a woman, I was sort of forced to decide between. So yeah, so it got me to thinking about like post-graduation and in the in like the business world and the corporate world and lots of leadership like realms, how sort of women navigate these spaces. So yeah. Yeah, that's so interesting because when you said femininity and leadership, like the first thought I had in my head was legally blonde and that version <laughs> of femininity but that is like so over exaggerated it's like to be feminine and for it to be valued it's like perfume and pink yeah, right. yeah, yeah. but there's also like a normal level of femininity that we all embody in a sense right absolutely yeah absolutely no I, th- I think I think that's right like like when I say femininity it's not necessarily meaning it says in colors or like perfume or like hair it's more sort of your own behavior towards yourself as well as your behavior towards other people so I mean like masculine traits are generally considered like competitive assertive like monotask independent goal orientated um like rational whereas women's often like collaborative receptive intuitive multitask relationship-based patient interdependent and yeah, I think often leadership norms are masculine norms. So I think for when a woman is socialized in a feminine way, which is often, I think research shows better for leadership um, and garners like, more respect amongst people who they're leading, it's not seen as something that's successful. And so it's like, if women, if women are socialized to be feminine, how then can we encourage them to attain a leadership role when everything to do with leadership is it's based around like a masculine sort of like history and I think that goes into like what we call like second like generation gender bias like first generation gender bias is things like deliberate intentional exclusion of spaces and it's what lots of like feminists traditionally fought for like the right like the, the right to vote the right to have certain jobs different careers but then second generation gender bias is like ubiquitous practices that on the surface level are neutral but appear but actually like discriminate against one gender because they reflect the values of the gender that created that setting so if the setting is has historically been constructed by men then even without realizing inconspicuously those male what, what values that men have considered important male values will be sort of like seeped into like the the zeitgeist of the institution 
in a way that the only way that the, wo- the woman can attain those similar positions is by developing those male traits we've watched which are called like agentic versus communal traits would you mind explaining the difference between the two traits yes so agentic traits are often things like independent and self-assertion and communal traits are things to do with like um interdependence like like interpersonal sensitivity and um, concern for others um so this is the double bind that i think women face that as a woman to be successful often leadership traits are agentic traits they're like self-assertion um they're like confidence those sorts of things but for a woman to be successful she can then become too, if she's too agentic then she's seen as bitchy cold and then if she's too communal she's seen as too nice doesn't have enough presence not outspoken enough Whereas men, it's the opposite. If men appear agentic, they're seen as, they're a leadership figure, they're commanding. But if they're communal, they're seen as, oh, he's a very like sensitive man. Like he's, 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 he's warm. He's very empathetic. But for men, it's like either, either side of those traits can be, can be conformed into something that's positive for them inhabiting that leadership role. Whereas for women, I think both of them can be, can be taken and, and, and seem to be like very negative things, which, um, prevent them from being what we would see as an effective or competent leader. Do you think it's a conscious thing then, the adoption of masculine traits, or how would you say women, or even yourself, find a balance between their femininity and then overcoming those like negative biases and the second generational stuff? Yeah, yeah. So I think I think generally speaking, like what we say, like gendered traits are gendered, so they're like socialized, they're culturally constructed. I think my issue is that t- taking it at that level, taking it the way that women are socialized in like a different way to men, that the way that men are socialized is for sure more beneficial and more conducive to them attaining certain positions than the way women are socialized. Yeah. So I think for me, it's a sort of psychological issue that as well as like this infrastructural and structural issue that women face of, of sort of having to have that identity to shift of, it's to do also with impossible. I think it's 60% of like Forbes 500 companies are like run or have women as in executive positions it's like how can as a woman you be in a place where like people behave on a fundamental people behave on like an interpersonal interaction level fundamentally very different to you and how can you see yourself in that position and I think historically speaking the way that most women have overcome that is by basically forfeiting what we would perceive to be their femininity and just believing that that's also the necessary trade-off that has to be made and what I, the reason that I think this is passionate to me is because I'm like, I don't think women should have to do that. I think there should be like a fundamental, like, so like paradigmatic shift in how we see leadership and the values of associate leadership. Like, for example, with me, I, there were like other women who were in areas that I, that I worked in, in societies, and we were both going for different leadership roles or very sort of on similar trajectories. And even, even on the basic level of like, I would dress in like skirts and more typically feminine clothing. And I would see another girl dressed in like suits and she would like very much like lower her voice and like presented themselves in, in much more sort of like masculine ways. And not only presenting themselves, but I saw that they were then received by the people was when they spoke about those other women. Oh, but she, yeah, yeah, she's really strong. She's really good. Um, she'll be really good for that role. The more that those other women conform to those stereotypes of what we perceive a leader to be. And for me, I'm, I've always been quite stubborn and I've always sort of, never felt like I wanted to feel like I have to do something to fit into other places so I flat out refused to do that but I think that oftentimes that came in my detriment one in 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 in, in, in gaining certain leadership positions but two in then how I was also perceived or spoken about amongst people I was working around and with um because it's almost like well if everyone else if everyone else if all the other women are doing this then why don't you do it because I think this is the thing with sort of like um like second wave feminism or lots of it's been about 
women what is it's equated men with women but not necessarily masculinity with femininity or communal traits with the genetic traits which means that you can say yes women can have equal opportunity or access as men so long as they act like men which is the issue it has to be women can have equal access to the roles as men but by acting as women and by and by, and by like, so, like I said often often female leadership is shown to be far more effective but the chances of it getting to that place in the first place is so rare because of these sorts of like barriers and stereotypes and, and unconscious biases in place no 100% I completely agree I think that's so interesting because well like especially what you're talking about women kind of assimilating to the masculine stereotypes I mean the first thing that came to mind for me was I mean Margaret Thatcher who for a lot of people like certainly obviously in the conservative party is still very held very highly but almost everything she did was kind of to prove that she could be as much of a man as anyone else more than anything else I mean she had a what was it she had a voice coach specifically to lower her voice like artificially so that she could do that all of the time in terms of rejecting other women. She said she refused to have them in her cabinet because they were too emotional and yet she herself was a woman. I mean, whereas we, when we look at that in conjunction with, for example, Jacinda Ardern, I mean, I like in the, in New Zealand, I always thought she's been a fantastic role model, especially when she brought her baby to the UN. It sort of made this massive thing and everyone was like really proud of her. But then since she stepped down, suddenly there's been like a very, a big shift in how she's been received. And then people are writing articles being like, see, you know, women can't have it both ways. It really has to be either your job or your family or either masculinity and leadership or femininity and like the things that you love. And I think it's so like, but how, how do you feel like it has changed recently? Do you think that especially post-COVID in which, I mean, there have been so many reports showing that countries that have been led by women have actually come through the global pandemic much better than countries run by men. Um, simply because of the traits that they've actually held on to, like, you know, listening to the science rather than themselves and trying to garner a sense of community rather than just sort of like beating other countries. Do you think that there's been a sense, like an actual change, or do you think that's just like numbers and rather than social society? I mean, I mean, I think there's, I think being in Oxford, I think we live in somewhat of a bubble. So I think what, what, what I understand I've sort of seen, I suppose, like the microcaustic level. And I think it's probably true for lots of like corporate or like business environments. But I imagine that lots of them are changing. Um, even like I said, like Jacinda Ardern is such a good example because I think it's like bit by bit and like general, like gradual attrition in the way that you change people's perceptions like this. Um, but I think fundamentally it is still, it, these sorts of like stereotypes and biases very much still are in place. Um, at least like, I mean, in different institutions that I've been involved in with Oxford that are sort of more traditional, more historical is where I've seen it more. I think in more modern places and in, in more, I suppose in workplaces which are less concerned with tradition, um, but and are more concerned with sort of like innovation and forward thinking, um, perhaps, perhaps it's like less prevalent. But I, I definitely think it's that. And I think Margaret Thatcher is such a good example because it's also what like in sociology, lots of sociologists refer to as like queen bee effect, mm. where a woman will get into a high position and she'll almost like prevent other women from getting to that position to like, to, to I don't know, because she wants to be the only, the only woman in that like executive role as it were. And yeah, I think, I think, I think there needs to be like a, uh, and again, you're, you're right. People praise Margaret Thatcher for many, for many ways, and people, lots of people say, oh, she was more of a man than the men in her cabinet, and and those sorts of things. And I think it's not right that by saying, oh, she was more of a man than the rest of her cabinet, you're try- they're trying to say, oh, she's more of a leader than yeah. the men in her cabinet. Hmm. Yeah, that's really interesting. Um, just before you spoke about experiencing things on a microcosm level and I know that you're quite involved in the Oxford Union and the Oxford Student Union which I guess are sort of like ecosystems of their own in those spaces would you say is it more common that women who work for and then obtain leadership roles or positions of responsibility and power exhibit what you're talking about with that queen bee effect 
Or do you think that instead they feel some sort of internal pressure as women who have, I guess, made it to give other women looking to do the same a foot up the ladder or like feel pressure to keep doors open for other women and things like that? Yeah, it's a really, that's a really, really interesting question. I think, I think, I think, I think you have to look at it at like a more micro and micro level each time. Because in my experience, I think there is that queen bee effect, but it's not necessarily just to women. It's like I said, to women who exhibit themselves, who present themselves in a way which is very different to the woman who's in that queen bee, queen position, as it were. So if if that queen bee like has gotten to where she's gotten yeah. through like you said with Margaret Thatcher through having like vocalists learning her voice through through behaving a certain way through like navigating meetings and chairing meetings in a certain way and then she sees another woman do it in a very different way I then do think the queen bee effect is very much present because I think it's it's like well it's either like who does she think she is doing it like that because that's not how you do it Mm. and two probably in some sense like an insecurity or jealousy that someone hasn't forsaken like their authenticity and isn't willing to so I, I, def- I definitely think there like is and I think it also then like, there's like a massively intersectional element to it that I like in my experience at least I think again a woman might more likely be able to might, might be more inclined to help other women who are more similar to them if it's if it's their racially similar ethnically similar class similar they've gone to a similar school they've had a similar upbringing those sorts of things I think that definitely impacts it too yeah. um because it's it's true I mean people tend to like like people who are like themselves and people tend to help people who are like help them who, who are like them which is again awful because then like I said if you have lots of men in, in roles of course they're going to be more likely to to find commonality and familiarity with men they're interviewing with men they're interacting with them with women and again within women uh, like I said like a white woman it might be more might be more more inclined to like to help to help another white woman because she can relate to them more or like a like a woman from who's from like an upper class background might be more likely help to help a woman from a similar background so I think it's about being aware of the ways in which I suppose like we are different um in that respect and and and, and yeah and yeah and not expecting everyone to achieve success through the same way yeah 100 percent. but I think it all comes from the same problem I think I think it all comes from like a, a villainization of femininity um as something that like in some aspects I mean even in terms of like sexuality femininity if we associate it with with sexuality is something that's condemned by men in public but then praised by men in private right and and it's this it's the same thing like a leadership a business level um yeah we we have to really appreciate sort of what traits women bring to the table whether that's just because they're women or because they've been socialized that doesn't really matter I think but we have to we have to really like really make we really use those traits I think um in positive ways because it's true i think studies have shown that men who are underqualified will often nominate themselves for positions that are underqualified for but women who are overqualified will still not nominate themselves for positions that are overqualified for and that is that, that, that's just the, that's just like the, the best example isn't it because like that just shows like the audacity that 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 men are taught to be able to like, hold themselves to and that women don't that women are, women are constantly taught to question themselves and and believe they're not enough um so yeah I don't know if that answered your question no 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 no. answered it a hundred percent yeah no I think that's so interesting especially because like when you when you kind of put it like that you can then also see the parallel between like why women would want to have or not want to have why women would develop a kind of queen bee complex because they're so used to having all of these masculine traits which include things like you know crushing the opposition stopping other people from taking a place I mean the the amount of like male tyrants that we've seen that are completely paranoid of anyone else coming anywhere near them all the like jealousy all the like being competitive 
um, you know, all these things that they've been the miserable to have, and then they actually turn it against their their own gender. I agree. I, I think it's so sad. We've honestly come to also because I think it's so sad that we are like in twenty twenty three, and it's still like a relatively small number of us who are kind of looking at this being like enough is enough. We've absolutely got to stop assimilating to these like masculine tendencies and actually bring bring femininity onto the table for itself. And I I completely agree with you. Absolutely. But you mentioned um, the more traditional institutions at Oxford. So I thought that might be a good segue into what some things have been said about you in that in that section, if you're comfortable talking about it. Yes. yes. So so um, when I was involved in um, like the Oxford Union, which is like the debating society in Oxford, uh, it's like a private members club. They have like they're, they're, they're linked to like some student journal journalism in Oxford. Um and the paper that they're linked to has like a weekly column or like a bi-weekly column um, where they like write sort of like a, an anonymous sort of like summary of the gossip that's happening within the committee side of the society. Sort of like in Bridgerton, we're like, is it Lady Whistleblower? Yeah. Like that sort of thing. <laughs> and they have like nicknames for you and that sort of thing. So, so um, usually it's gossip if you're like on the committee or if you're running in elections and they say this person's doing this, this person's running with this person. And they try to make it humorous and sometimes make jives at some people. Um, so then I, I'd left the, the union. I wasn't part of the committee anymore. But I, I, I'd I, gone to an event in the union building, I think the term after I'd left. And then all of a sudden in like the gossip column that week or the week after, I was like the front paragraph on, 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 the, on the first paragraph um, where they'd like nicknamed me like Hart- my, I'm from Hartford College they nicknamed me like Hartford's bimbo they were like oh there's been like an outbreak of STD cases across the university and like um, Hartford's bimbo was back in the building like God knows what she left there and like, I was just so like I remember my friends called me up and like multiple people obviously like in, like if you're in those circles you'd recognize who was meant by heart but it was like bin hartford's bimbo and that could only apply to some people because there were only a certain number of hot people from hartford in the union and um i was the only one that running elections which is what's meant by bin because i lost an election so the, everyone who was in those circles knew that it was me but thankfully most people hopefully wouldn't if you'd read it because you think who's that but so lots of people who, who read it knew it was me and they called me up and they told me like, obviously what's happened and like I was just like crying for like so long. I was crying for like two days. Like, I was so upset. Like, because it, it, it hurt me because it was like, one, it's just like, it, it's just it's such a misogynistic thing to say, but it's also just like, what's the need? Like, what's the need to bring a woman down that way? And like, I wasn't even involved with anything anymore. Like, I, I, I spent a whole year doing stuff, being on committee, and I'd gone. And like, the whole time that I was there, like, I often felt by some people that I was being perceived. Um, the, the people had this sort of like dislike for how I presented myself. Um, I presented myself very femininely, very like emotionally, very like less sort of like politically cutthroat, I think, as like they used to. And I think I could tell the I could tell lots of people there when I was there perceived me like that and didn't didn't took didn't take this didn't take the same liking to me that they did with other men or other women. But then it was seeing that in practice, it was like a confirmation of like how I thought people, had, how I thought certain people had perceived me. That's so appalling. Yeah. That's so awful. I'm sorry, whoever that person is, that's actually unacceptable. Honestly, I really hope there's repercussions for that because that's like on a human level, that's absolutely yeah. appalling. But let alone the fact that like you're not involved in it anymore. There's no reason to come after you. And also it's a club, like the Oxford Union, same as the Cambridge Union, literally no difference between that and your college like tiddlywink society it's yeah. literally a couple of people that come <laughs> together for fun 
Like there's actually there's no there's no reason for that. Like I'm sorry. It, but it's insane. Like you're not you're not even if you were an MP and even if you'd literally brought on a law that was like absolutely terrible to people, there still wouldn't be an excuse for that kind of language. So the fact that all if you're trying to do is like debate with people and therefore open channels of communication that you're literally like such an inspiration to so many of the women in your life because you're like holding on to your femininity and yet you're so powerful and then like this is what you get in return i think that's literally yeah. shocking I'm no sorry. i really I, that's appreciate it. like yeah it, 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 i was just like i was just so shit because i was like yes yeah, like how could like how can people think, I, I mean I, I i confronted them about it and like i i did i felt like i had a duty to myself too but i was just like how can in 2023 people think and another woman think this is acceptable um to like and, and to me it wasn't even just like one one it's trying to say that like i think part of it is like like i don't know if i'd like I mean, the event that I'd gone to, I like, wore like a pink like bodycon dress, and like, like I, I look nice, that sort of thing. So one, it's a comment on my appearance and my sexuality, but two, the word bimbo to me like confers like idiocy or like lack of intelligence, yeah. and that's was what hurt me too because I was like, I regard like we're all at Oxford Festival or like Cambridge in your case, and I was like, and but second of all, I regard myself as someone who like who's got in certain leadership positions, who is who is intelligent, who who like often when I'm talking about something, I like think knows what I'm talking about. So to be perceived the complete opposite, clearly as a stereotype of like how I might present myself physically or or behave like, like on committee, like in terms of like my interaction with people, my femininity is just like so tragic. And this, I was just gonna say like, um, linking to everything we said, the reason I realized it, what we're talking about so much is because I feel like after that experience, particularly of like what I was called in like in the newspaper after that experience of being in those settings after I left, I think almost as like a trauma response, I think I did sort of masculinize myself um, in the sense that like I sort of started to like dress more masculine, I lowered my voice in some ways and I started just presenting in those spaces a lot more masculine afterwards. And I noticed for facts, people treated me so much different and people treated me with so much more respect. Yeah. And the moment I had, it was just like a, a complete, a complete like seismic shift in, in how I was like perceived and people in that place calling me more of like girl boss or this or that. Um, right mm. before it's like oh okay, that's cute you're just doing your thing mm. um, no I think it raises the point about representation in these spaces because I think maybe because it's like like no one has ever presented themselves like that before in this, yeah. this space that suddenly it's like so what's the word it's like it's like a like a really stark contrast yeah. between everyone else and so suddenly you're like there's a spotlight on you straight away like before you've done anything before you've applied you're othered elections. yeah you're, you're othered. othered in some exactly. way and it's this cognitive distance of yeah like like oh this person doesn't fit into places like this and I mean I think I had that issue as well because like I always uh, I campaigned in Oxford a lot for like uh people from state school backgrounds or people from low-income backgrounds and again that's quite like a like a contradictory thing to campaign for in a place that's historically like been the sort of like monopoly or like the exclusive preserve of people from high income backgrounds or private schools so I think yeah it's like it's like twofold it's like this girl who sort of like is we other her she others herself there's a sort of like barrier bi-directionally um in 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 how she fits in within this place I think yeah it's really sad and it's really sad to me that it's like there's this sort of trade-off with women between femininity and intelligence and also competence and likability yes because I think that like often if you're a woman who's 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 feminine you're seen as like ditzy um if you're too compassionate or too emotional uh, it's like uh, this is oh my gosh this is like just like tangent but when people I remember when I was younger people would always say like 
or it was all the typical thing people said oh women can't leaders because they're too emotional yeah like to me that's the most crazy thing because like without like without something crude like men's penises will raise in an instant <laughs> and I think that's more emotional than <laughs> most women I think men are much more emotionally driven than than women are hormonally driven men are much more hormon- hormonally driven than women yeah, have and you I- seen that thing where it's like women on their periods are obviously seen as like super emotional but it's because that's like testosterone men- levels are raised in our body which is oh which is like men on a daily basis right yeah exactly. so it's like men are like hormonally driven in ways that can cause them to like to to act like very very like negatively I suppose to women specifically often yet women are seen as ones who are too emotional because they can empathize with other people so yeah there's trade-off between between like femininity and intelligence because oh she's just ditzy oh she's just emotional and you can't be emotional and rational uh, or you, you can't you can't possess both those two characteristics and then the trade-off between like likability likability and competence oh like studies have shown again that like women who are seen as competent are seen as like unlikable and women who are likable are less seen as competent and even within domains that aren't that are typically what we would consider like female um like preponderantly female domains like nursing like teaching um I think studies have have again shown more men make it to the top of those roles than women more men make it into like administration administration or um also like uh like supervisory roles in, in, in the, the women like you have more like uh, like um high-end male chefs than female chefs even though most like chefs are female you have like more like like um like leadership teachers than female teachers even though most teachers are female and it, so even within like female domains where you would assume that they would cat they would they would be more appreciative of like typically like feminine communal traits no it's still that we we assume leadership has to be agentic has to be assertive and masculine no, yeah, for sure, for sure. Thank you so much for everything that you've told us, Rosalie. Honestly, I know that I have learned literally so much about the theory, but also like the practice behind being being a woman in leadership. And I think, you know, there's a lot of it is, to be honest, quite depressing, but I think there's a lot of uplifting things that you've mentioned as well. So we were just wondering, was there any advice that you'd like to pass on either to you specifically your younger self or to, to any women who are currently in the same position as you? I think my advice is that like you become a leader by internalizing a leadership identity based on purpose rather than perception mm-hmm. in the sense of you become a leader by 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 really feeding into what is the purpose behind what you're doing what is the purpose behind the team you're leading what is the purpose behind you what you guys want to achieve rather than based on your behavior so i think if you can keep sort of like that 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 anchor anchor yourself in purpose um in advancing the collective good in helping other people around you rather than on cutting your hair short, having a low voice or, or, or certain sorts of behaviours or mannerisms, I think you can develop a sense of leadership that's unique to yourself as well. I think my other advice would be like, yeah, hone your authenticity because I think this is all about authenticity. It's about, it's about being true to who you are and not feeling like you have to like change, manipulate or like or, or reconstruct how you are in any way that makes you feel uncomfortable. And I think that itself is like people can be your greatest strength because like I said, with lots of like what we say communal traits, things have shown women like, women female leaders are more likely to elicit respect and like pride from followers they're more likely to like communicate their vision effectively they're more likely to like empower and like mental subordinates uh like they're more likely to approach problem solving in like more flexible like multi-dimensional ways than men so i think it's important as well to find like role models in other women even if you not people you're working directly around even if they're historical figures or people you know of or like people you don't see that much find like inspiration in women who you think have done it well who you can relate yourself to 
Um, so yeah, so so rooting yourself in like in your authenticity, which is your strength, with your with your with, with female traits which are actually stronger in leadership, or at least it's just as strong in leadership. Um, and anchor yourself like the purpose of, of your team and everyone around you. So I think that would be my advice. Yeah, just stay positive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just to echo what Camille said earlier, I've learned lots and lots and lots doing this episode. So thank you so much for thank you both so much. I yeah, love it too. It, it's been great. Um, unfortunately, that is all we have time for. As always, you can follow our Instagram at news underscore LDN for more updates and check out our blog at www.newslondon.co.uk. We look forward to seeing you next week for another episode. And again, thank you so much, Rosalie. Thank you so much. (laughs) Thank you so much for coming.